Hello, people of the way. Um, very interesting days that we're living in. Uh, definitely a time to, of course, be in the Word, be on our knees before the Lord, and seeking His beautiful, beautiful, wonderful face. Because uh, He guides. He guides. He definitely guides. Uh, never forget that. Fear not. Don't be fearful. Um, you know, the Lord told us that we're going to live in uh, perilous times. And uh, it's just going to get amped up. You know, the what the Bible teaches us about the last days, it's just going to get worse and worse and worse. But there's uh, there's Goshen with God's people. There's light in God's people. And so never forget that. Um, if you have your Bibles with you, uh, turn with me to Exodus chapter 35. Exodus 35. I keep saying that this, you know... I. Every time, I don't know, maybe it seems like every Sunday, every Wednesday, every time we open up the Bible, it seems like I always say, this is my favorite part of the Bible. And, uh, you know, I have to say it again. This is my favorite part of the Bible. So I guess the Bible is my favorite. But here in Acts 35, do you remember it started in, or not Acts 35, Exodus 35. Uh, it kind of sounds familiar. X, 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 X. But in Exodus 35, if you remember, it started in Exodus 25, where the Lord says, Okay, Moses, come up to the mountain. I want to talk with you. And Moses went up to the mountain and he had, you know, all the people, the, the elders, they kind of, uh, they weren't with the, the, the bunch of people, the, the, the congregation of Israel at the base of the mountain. And then Moses goes up to the top of the mountain. He's walking up and he has his uh, uh, assistant. He has his assistant, uh, Joshua with him. And then Joshua stops and then uh, Moses keeps going up and he disappears into the cloud. And it's so beautiful because you see the intimacy that Moses has with God and now what we're going to see in chapter 35 is you see that the intimacy that God had or that God and Moses had together, you now see it's given to the people, given to the people. And what's given to the people is the, you know, the law with the additives that we talked about last week, the additives of, you know, the sacrifice but then at the same time, you start to see the, uh, the, the blueprints, like the, the culmination of the blueprints. We started in Exodus 25 and, we, you know, 25 all the way to 32, uh, Exodus 32. And you see all these, you know, I don't know the exact date when we started Exodus 25. I, I could find out, but I mean, it, you know, it was like two months ago, I'm going to say two months ago, maybe two and a half months ago, because there was Exodus 25. 26, 27, 28, and some chapters bled into other days or, or other weeks. And so you start to see for such a time as this, what's happening here is that, you know, don't forget the golden calf happened too. And now the people's hearts are ready to receive the beautiful things of the Lord. Moses was in the, the top of the mountain last week getting the uh, um, the second, uh, um, tablets, the second set of tablets, because remember he destroyed the first set of tablets when he saw the, the golden calf. And here you see in chapter 35, verse one says, then Moses gathered all the congregation of the children of Israel together, together. You see now Moses isn't alone. Now he had intimacy with the Lord, but you know, you start to see the purpose for intimacy with the Lord. 
You remember when Jesus Christ, he says, you know, to, to uh, uh, um, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, and then love others like you love yourself or more than you love yourself. You see a picture of the cross. You know, you have the, 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 the vertical part of the cross. It's like, you know, you and God. And then all of a sudden you have the horizontal. It's like other people. But never, ever, ever, ever love people more than God. Never. It's always God first, the preeminence of Jesus Christ. And so you have Moses. He has all the congregation of the children of Israel together and said to them, these are the words which the Lord, which the Lord has commanded you to do. You see, it's so beautiful because now the intimacy that Moses has with the Lord, now he's giving words to the people. And that's what we can have when we have intimacy with the Lord. You know, of course, there's having the knowledge of the Lord and, you know, the intimacy, which is beautiful. But it's not just so we can be, you know, brainiacs at the grocery store, biblical brainiacs at the grocery store. There's a reason behind it. So the Lord can pour into us and then all of a sudden we get so full of him and full, 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 full. And then it just spills over and it pours into other people. It pours into those around us. You see, it's kind of like, you know, a, a little cross, vertical and then horizontal. Vertical, him pouring into you, and then horizontal, you pouring into others. And so the intimacy that Moses had with the Lord, it's now, you know, the people are now the benefactors of these things. You know, keep in mind the golden calf when Moses came down from the mountain the first time, he came down from the mountain and the people weren't ready to receive it. The people weren't ready to receive the beautiful things of the Lord. And there was a judgment that happened. Some death. And of the living, they had to reap what they had sown. And then they repented. As a people, they repented. And now look, now they're able to see these things. Now they're able to receive the things of the Lord. That's what's so cool about repentance. And I don't, I don't want to say the beauty of sin. I want to say the beauty of repentance. Because no matter what the sin is, it's like, wow, you know, once a person falls to their knees and repents and believes in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, it's like, wow, that's like the, uh, the, the you know, you like uh, the uh, rocket ship. You could be at the, you know, the pit. It's so deep in a pit. And then all of a sudden you repent and the rocket ship just happens. The Lord will bring you out. The Lord will rescue you. And so now the word that the, the Lord has, he's given it to the people. From Moses to the from God to Moses, from Moses to the people. Look at verse two. Work shall be done for six days, but the seventh day shall be a holy day for you, a Sabbath of rest to the Lord. Remember this day, it's it's to the Lord. You know, a day of rest that you have, you know, you have hustle bustle Monday through Friday, not so much anymore. People aren't working anymore in this climate that we're in. But there's a day of rest unto the Lord. Whoever does any work on it shall be put to death. Now, this is a law. You know, I'm not saying that, you know, if you if you work on a Sabbath day, then uh, you, you're going to die. I'm not saying that. Remember, the law points to Jesus Christ. Abide in him. Abide in Christ. You shall kindle no fire throughout your dwellings on the Sabbath day. That's how much that's how much the Lord wants his people to relax and rest and reflect on him. 
you know, you light a fire, you know, you put a fire out and you, you gotta like move it around. So, you know, the, the kindle, no fire. The Lord is saying, don't even do that. Don't even kindle the fire. No work. And that's what's so cool when, we, when you have this understanding of the law, you start to understand the New Testament in, 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 uh, in conjunction with the law. Because remember the brave, brave, tough women, the beautiful, beautiful, tough women when Jesus Christ was crucified and the men who were scaredy cats. And then the women, they wanted, they prepared the aromatics and they wanted to give it to the Lord. So because his decaying body, what they thought would be his decaying body, they thought, man, it's, it's going to stink. So we got to prepare these aromatics for his gravesite. But they prepared the aromatics before the day of rest. Before the day of rest. And then after that, then they go out to the tomb and the tomb was empty. What they thought. But you see, you know, these are the, the reasons why the, the women, uh, they waited because they were doing the law. And so look at verse four here. And Moses spoke to all the congregation of the children of Israel saying, this is the thing which the Lord commanded. So the, it's so cool because the first time, like at the end of verse one, these are the words which the Lord has commanded you to do. And then in verse four, these are these. this is the thing which the Lord commanded. He's giving these commandments to the people. This, you know, all these chapters since chapter five, these chapters of intimacy. That's just on the mountain. Don't forget, he had intimacy with the Lord off the mountain too. But on the mountain, he received the tablets. And you see how it's so cool because it's like, you know, intimacy with the Lord. It's, it's not just for the sake of, Having oneness with him. Oneness with him is beautiful. But there's a purpose behind it. It's so that he pours into you. He desires to pour into you. And so when he pours into you, and then you, you know, that's like our, our mountain experience. You're on the mountain with the Lord. He pours into you. And then all of a sudden you go down to the mountain. And who's, who's at the base camp? In your own personal life. Friends, family, relatives, co-workers. You're at the grocery store, the checkout lady. You're at the gas station, the gas station attendant. Or whoever, you know, who's at the base camp in your life? After all this time you've spent on the mountain. And who's at your base camp? And look at what Moses found. Moses found a, 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 a golden calf. All kinds of disgusting things. And then he called them on it. He says, hey, this guy, you guys, this is not right. This is not a good thing which you do in the sight of the Lord. You need to repent. And then the people, they had to drink of that bitterness. They had to drink of that. You know, when it was the golden calf that which Moses destroyed, he put it in the water, mixed it in the water and said, here, drink this. It's the, they had to drink of that cup of bitterness. The work of their hands. And, you know, sometimes people do have to drink the cup of their bitterness. Just like I had to drink the cup of my bitterness. A cup of bitterness because of the work of my hands. But look at the aftermath of that. It's so beautiful what happens after repentance. So who is it that's in your base camp? In your base camp, you might come down from the mountain and find a golden calf. You come down from the mountain, you get down to your base camp, you might find... Uh, people drinking the bitterness of the work of their hands. 
And it's so cool because for such a time as this, Moses has had his intimacy with the Lord on the top of the mountain. He comes down and then he speaks to them. Verse one, these are the words which the Lord has commanded you to do. Verse four, this is the thing which the Lord has co had commanded. He's giving them the word of the Lord. The same way you can do. Then he says this in verse five, take from among you an offering to the Lord. You know, when this is, <laughs> you know, this is the offering that, uh, uh, you know, you see these the, the, uh, uh, in the blueprints that the Lord gave to uh, uh, Moses in chapter 25, 6, 25 through 20 uh, through 31. These blueprints, it's for tabernacle worship. So my exhortation in your intimacy with the Lord is to, you know, have intimacy with him and then give the word of the Lord to the people in your base camp. But, you know, talking about an offering is probably, you know, that's that's down the road, you know, down the road. But here in this particular passage, this is what he says in verse five. Take from among you an offering to the Lord. Whoever is of a willing heart, let him bring it as an offering to the Lord. You see how beautiful this is right here? Because in chapter 25, verse 2, the Lord says, you know, he, told, he tells Moses in his intimacy on the top of the mountain in the cloud, he says, hey, you know what? Take from these people, but whoever gives willingly, willingly. Remember, the Lord loves a cheerful giver. And what's so beautiful, you picture Moses coming down from the mountain the first time he sees the golden calf and he didn't just give up. He didn't say, oh, man, I spent 40 days and 40 nights on the top of the mountain. I come down from the mountain. This isn't what I was expecting, so I give up. No, you see the faithfulness of Moses. You see the faithfulness of, the God, uh, of God, and you see the faithlessness of the people. And put a little asterisk next to that, the faithlessness of the people. Because after repentance, you see their faithfulness. You see how beautiful this is, the, what, what, what intimacy with the Lord produces for the sake of the people? Remember this, when you have intimacy with the Lord, how beautiful, insanely, words can't describe how beautiful it is. But then at the same time, there's a purpose behind it. It's to pour into other people. And Moses remained faithful. God's promises ring ever true. And so look at what happens here. Whoever is of a willing heart, let him bring it as an offering to the Lord. Now he starts to, you remember our study through chapter 25, you start to see all these materials and here they are right here. Moses is now giving it to the people. Gold, silver, and bronze, blue, purple, and scarlet thread, fine linen, and goat's hair, Ram, skin, ram skins dyed red, badger skins and acacia wood, oil for the light and spices for the anointing oil and for the sweet incense, onyx stones and stones to be set in the ephod and in the breastplate. You see, it's from among the people. Remember the Lord told him from, in chapter 25, take it from among the people. And he says it here in, verse 30, in, in chapter 35, from among the people, those who are willing in heart. These are the ones who can give an offering to the Lord with a willing heart, not grumbling. You know, you see like, you know, offering plate goes around 
we don't have an offering plate in our fellowship. But, you know, an offering plate goes around and people are like, kind of like reaching their park pocket kind of grudgingly. Oh, man, you know, this is the money I was going to use for, you know, tacos or something. I was going to use this is my Starbucks money. And they're kind of grumbling about it. And just like our pastor in California always used to tell us, look, if you're grumbling about an offering to the Lord, keep your money. Keep it. Don't give it to the Lord. And that's what I say to you, too. If there's any aspect of grumbling about giving offering to the Lord, don't do it. Keep it. Because you have to have a right heart before the Lord. Willingly. Cheerful. The Lord loves a cheerful giver. When you understand that it's put into the service of the Lord. The service of the kingdom. His kingdom. Just like we studied on Sunday. The edifying of the body of Christ. There's certain aspects of uh, um, a fellowship where, you know, needs arise. Just like in Acts chapter 6, all these needs arise. And then all of a sudden, you know, the disciple says, hey, choose seven guys, choose seven men. Not just any seven men, specific seven men. And he starts to list the attributes. This is what you look for. For Philip, it was the beginning of a beautiful ministry. And he went on, he did that ministry, and then the Lord took him, made him an evangelist, turned him into evangelist. And so anytime there's an offering and a tithe, an offering given to the Lord, make sure your heart is cheerful about it. If you're thinking like, man, you know, this was my this is my Starbucks money, keep it. If you're grumbling about it, keep it. And so look at what it says here in verse 10. All who are gifted artisans among you shall come and make all that the Lord has commanded. You see what he's doing here? The skillful people, people who are gifted artisans are now giving it to the Lord in service to the Lord. And the same thing happens with us. How the Lord loves a cheerful giver. There's monetary aspects. But then at the same time, just like here in verse 10, the gifted artisans. Wow, you know, the Lord gifted me with the ability to fill in the blank. And I was doing this for my own glory. And now I'm going to put it in service of the Lord. Because I'm giving him the skill that he gave me. I'm giving it to him. It's all in service to the Lord. This is so beautiful about the aftermath of repentance. Because I have to tell you, chapter 32, it's a very, very difficult chapter. Because Moses came down from the mountain and he saw all kinds of disgusting things. The golden calf, worship of the golden calf. Aaron, the things that he saw with his own eyes. Then he just straight up said in chapter 32, verse 26, Whoever is on the Lord's side, come to me. It was like a hardcore ultimatum. Hey, if you want to be with the Lord, you come stand here next to me. That's also what, what, you know, intimacy has with the Lord. 
You see how beautiful, and it, it, it's not out of a, a hateful thing like, hey, if you want to be with the Lord, you come stand here with me, and everybody else, you're going to burn in hell. It, no, it's not like that. I mean, it, in one sense, it is like that, but it's to say, hey, if you want to be with the Lord, come stand here with me, you know, read the Bible with me, and the Lord will pour into us, but all these other people, hey, let's be fishers of men, let's rescue them as through fire. You remember, Moses also had intimacy with the Lord where he starts to intercede for the people. In the same chapter, chapter 32, verse 32, verse 32, he says, Yet now, if you will forgive their sin, but if not, I pray, blot me out of your book which you have written. You see the heart of Moses? He's a different Moses. He's not the same Moses he used to be. He says, Lord, you know what, Lord, if you're not going to forgive their sin, take my name out of your book. Take my name out of your book. I don't want to be in your book of life. Blot me out. You see how beautiful this is? You see Moses as the interceder. He's interceding for the people. He doesn't say, hey, come stand here with me if you want to be right with God. And every one of you, you know, all you other people, you're going to burn in hell. I mean, in one sense, he does because, you know, there's, you know, the killing involved that happens. You know, it's a time of judgment. And people always say, oh, yeah, we're under grace. We can do whatever. We're under grace. We can do whatever. Don't forget, you know, we are under grace. The only ones who are under grace are those who are abiding in Christ. If I'm abiding in Christ, you hear me say it all the time. And I'm going to keep saying it all the time. I'm never going to get tired of this. But, you, you know, I'm abiding in Christ. And all of a sudden I start beating my wife, cheating on my wife, doing the drugs, doing the alcohol, the whole nine yards. I'm not under grace anymore. I'm under the law if that happens. I will be under the law. And I can't be a pastor if that ever happens. That starts to happen. I can't be a pastor. I'm under the law. And, you know, Lord willing, the law, Lord willing, I'll have some sense. And then the law will be a schoolmaster, a tutor to bring me back to grace where I need to be. And if I ignore the law even still, then I'm under judgment. There's a lot of people today that are under judgment. They're under God's wrath. Read Romans 1. You'll see what God's wrath looks like on an individual. The Lord teaches us what God's wrath looks like. But you know what's so cool even in that? Is that Nebuchadnezzar was also under judgment. He was also a crazy guy. The Lord turned him into a crazy guy. Because he wouldn't acknowledge the Lord and glorify the Lord. And then all of a sudden, the Lord gave him restoration of mind. And when he had restoration of mind, he rejoiced and he praised the Lord, glorified the God of Israel. That's how the Lord works. It's beautiful. His redemptive nature. And so going back to Exodus 35, how beautiful it is, this aftermath of repentance. Because Israel, when Moses comes down to the mountain the first time, that's not so good. But when he comes down from the mountain the second time, here you see a different people, a different Israel. And so verse 11, the tabernacle, its tent, its covering, its clasps, its boards, its bars, its pillars, and its sockets, 
the ark and its poles with the mercy seat and the veil of the covering, the table and its poles, all its utensils and the showbread, all the lampstand for the light, its utensils, its lamps and the oil for the light, the incense altar, its poles, the anointing oil, the sweet incense and the screen for the door at the entrance of the tabernacle, the altar of burnt offerings with its bronze gratings, grating, its poles, all its utensils and the laver of and its base. The hangings of the court, its pillars, their sockets, and the screen for the gate of the court, the pegs of the tabernacle, <clears throat> the pegs of the court and their courts, the garments of ministry for ministering in the holy place, the holy garments for Aaron the priest, and the garments of his sons to minister as priests. You say, man, Jay really flew through these verses. You know why I th flew through these verses? It's because we studied them. Chapter 25, chapter 26. Chapter 27, 28, we studied all of it in depth. In depth. We looked at all these things. And you see, you know, picture Moses on the mountain the first time in these chapters, chapter 25, 26. And in his mind, it, you know, it's not captured in scripture, but I have to wonder if as Moses is receiving these things from the Lord and the Lord is showing them these blueprints, I wonder if in the back of his mind, Moses was like, you know, how is this going to happen, Lord? I wonder, maybe not, because the things, I mean, he just straight up saw the ocean, you know, separate. He saw pillars of fire, pillars of cloud. So maybe he wasn't wondering, like, how is this going to happen? But it's so cool because even when the Lord reveals himself, it breaks away all doubt. That's what's so cool about a love relationship with him. Because you could be a baby believer, a brand new, freshly born believer in Jesus Christ. And it's like, you know, there's like this carnal doubt. Like, you know, the word says this. I hope that's the case, but I don't know because you have no experience with the Lord. And then you start to realize like, man, Lord, before I was a Christian, look, at you were so good to me in my life. Yeah, there were some bad stuff. That happened to me, bad stuff that I did, but you were still gracious to me, Lord. And then as a believer, you say like, Lord, your word says this. I don't know if you're going to do it, but, you know, I hope that's the case. And then he shows himself faithful. And then you learn, wow, Lord, you were with me through that fire. And here I am in this next fire, which is bigger and heavier. And you're still with me. And you learn to trust in him more and more and more and your relationship gets deeper and deeper and deeper. I mean, I, I should preface that by saying, you know, it should happen. I, I'm always careful when I say like, it should be like this because I don't want to lord over anybody's faith. But really the life of a believer should exemplify these things. Trusting in the Lord more and more and deeper and deeper. I just wonder in the recesses of my mind if Moses, when he was receiving the blueprints, ever wondered, like, how is this going to happen? Like, you know, I, I walked with the people. And especially when Moses comes down from the mountain after receiving like from the Lord that Moses and his sons were going to be priests or Aaron and his sons were going to be priests. Aaron was going to be the high priest and he comes down from the mountain and Aaron is leading in worship to a golden calf. Now look at Israel. 
a totally different people. Repentant people. Smaller in number because some were killed. The Lord had judgment on some of them. Look and behold Israel at this time. Look at verse 20. And all the congregation of the children of Israel departed from the presence of Moses. So cool what happens here. So beautiful. So, you know, Moses has his intimacy with the Lord. He gives the word of the Lord to the people and the people hear it. They, re they receive what he said and then they walk away. They leave. But then look what happens in verse 21. Then everyone came whose heart was stirred and everyone whose spirit was willing. You see, verse 21, it's impossible without religion. Impossible. Because he said in verse 5, he tells the people, whoever is of a willing heart, let him bring it as an offering to the Lord. It's a heart matter. It's a matter of the heart. Just like we read in, in, in uh, Acts, the book of Acts, in, in chapter 8, the account of you know how the Holy Spirit fell on all these people. But he skipped. He bypassed Simon because his heart wasn't right before the Lord. He tried to fake it. He tried to fake it. Baptized in Christ even. He believed in Jesus Christ. Walked with Philip and the, you know, the people of faith. Except in his heart, in the depths of his heart, something wasn't right before the Lord. And the Holy Spirit saw it. Was, you, know, you can fake it with man anytime. Male, female, it doesn't matter. You can fake it. You cannot fake it with the Lord. Impossible to fake it with the Lord. Because he sees. That's when people come up with all their trickery. They say, wow, look, I have the Holy Spirit. And they manufacture all these things. Engineered by the hand of man. But the Holy Spirit says otherwise. That's why the Lord teaches us. He says, hey, you guys, look at the fruit. Look at the fruit. Have you ever said, like, you know, uh, see a husband and wife? And they're married. You know, and they're like, it's like everything looks good. They got a smile on their face. And then you're alone with the husband. You're alone with the wife. And they say, man, you know what? I want to blow my brains out. I can't stand it. They're faking it. It's all for show. There's something different about the Holy Spirit baptism. He's the one who empowers if there's ever a time in your life where you wonder, like, you know, how in the world am I going to do this? How do I turn the other cheek? How is it that I can turn hate with love? Well, you know what? You can't. I can't. But God can. God can. He changes your heart. He can do it in the power of the Holy Spirit. You, me, we just have to yield to him and allow him. To work inside of his temple. If we can call it his temple. I can call it my temple. But I don't want it to be my temple. You can call your body your temple. I pray you don't want it to be your temple. But that's your choice. That's between you and the Lord. And so you see. You know what, what happens in verse 21. It's impossible for this to happen with religion. Religion can't produce these things. Religion can't impose these things. If I were a religious leader, I could compel people. I could dress all 
nice, wear the little white thing on my neck, you know, and dress like, you know, have all these elements out, the chalice and all these different things, gold, really fancy looking. And then impose things. If you want to be right with the Lord, you have to do this. You have to do that. But no, it's much deeper than what is seen. It's a matter of the heart. So the people leave Moses and everyone in verse 21 came whose heart was stirred and everyone whose spirit was willing. And they brought the Lord's offering for the work of the tabernacle of meeting for all its service and for the holy garments. You see, it's not some people you hear people say like, you know, I want you to make an investment in the kingdom. Or, you know, an investment in this church, an investment in this fellowship, an investment in this ministry. But it's not even like that. That cheapens it because an investment kind of has like selfish connotations to it. In a worldly example, people invest money for themselves. Invest money at age, you know, 30, 35 for them when they're at age 65 or 70. You know, so they make these investments for their own, you know, for their own benefit. This isn't even like that at all. This is a straight up offering unto the Lord. Like, Lord, this is for you, Lord. This is for you. And remember, it's everyone whose heart was stirred and everyone whose spirit was willing. This is for you, Lord. An offering to God for his purpose. And you start to see like, well, this is wild because there are, it's the exact same thing as new covenant believers. Tithes and offering for the service of the Lord and for the Lord. But you see, it's for his purpose. He says here in verse 21, uh, uh, the Lord's offering for the work of the tabernacle of meeting for all its service and for the holy garments. You know, we don't have holy garments like the outward appearance, but we do have holy garments of praise. Which are not seen by man, they're only seen by God. We can look at the fruit, we can see the fruit of it. But there is still a tabernacle of meeting. There's still a service with the, the, the sanctuary, the fellowship of the saints. There still exists all these things. And ministry can blossom. Just like Philip was, you know, serving in the tables. And then he served in the tables for a little while. And then the Lord says, you know what? I'm going to use you as an evangelist now. And Philip went into Samaria. One guy went into Samaria. Goes back to Jerusalem and then he goes into another region. The Lord gave him specific directions. Spiritual revival begins with one person. Never, ever forget that. Revival begins with one. He says in verse 22, They came. Both men and women, as many as had a willing heart. So the grumblers, the one who were like, ah, oh, man, I don't want to give up my gold. Ah, uh, you know, I don't want to give up my scarlet thread, my, you know, my fine linens. Those are so I can sleep comfortably at night. You know, I want to sleep in my nice sheets, you know. My onyx stones, acacia wood. I use my acacia wood for, you know, I'm building a nice cabinet in our kitchen. I don't want to use the acacia wood. 
the grumblers, it's like, okay, if that's your heart, stay home. Stay home. Don't give. Don't give to the Lord. Because you know what? Your heart isn't right before the Lord. The Lord loves a cheerful giver. I mean, he, he, lo he loves, you know, if you're not a cheerful giver, you know, there were times when, you know, I want, like, when Liz and I, we were first married, and we didn't have a lot of money, you know, it was going like, to get a, a pizza. You know, it was very, very difficult. It was a very special event for us. I mean, we wanted to go out to dinner. We'd go out to dinner, and, you know, we had, like, people in the church that would go to fancy restaurants. We had, to, you know, a night out for dinner for us was like Burger King. You know, a little pizza joint for a really, you know, a really fancy, fancy dinner was like a, a pizza joint. You know, Burger King would spend like five bucks. But if we were like, man, you know, we, I'm, I'm going to, this is going to be a fine dining experience. But, you know, spend $15 for a medium pizza, you know. And we eat like a several pieces and wrap it up in foil and have it the next morning or have it the next, the next uh, afternoon for lunch. But it was so cool because it was like, you know, it's like, you know, there were times when Liz would say like, hey, we're going to tithe. And I'd be like, man, that's, that's, that's our, for our, our night out. You know, that's, you know, I want my pizza, you know, that's my pizza money. It's like, man, if I'm grumbling, it's like, don't even give. My heart's not right before the Lord. And then what happens in the course of time, I fall deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper in love with the Lord. It's like, here, Lord, take it. I don't want, I love giving it to you, Lord. Because I trust in you. You've done all, you've been so good to me all this time. And then look at now, I'm giving it to you. You see, he loves, it's a heart matter. He wants you and me to be cheerful givers. And so look at what it says here. They, in verse 22, they came, both men and women, as many as had a willing heart. The grumblers stay home and brought earrings and nose rings, rings and necklaces and jewelry of gold. That is every man who made an offering of gold to the Lord. Remember in previous chapters, all the gold was given to, to mold the golden calf. When Aaron gave the command, he says, okay, take off your earrings. Give me your earrings, put them right here, and I'm going to make a golden calf for you to worship. That was their former offering to the golden calf. Now look, this is their offering to the Lord. Jehovah Jireh. Jehovah Nisi. Jehovah Adonai. That's what's so beautiful about repentance. Look at the filth of the golden calf. And look at the beauty of this now. You know, we live in a disgusting world. You don't need me to tell you that. You're going to see people in all stations in life. And you know, you're going to come down from the mountain. You're going to be with the Lord, have intimacy. And it's going to be like, wow, Lord, I'm ready to die. Take me home. And I wonder in your heart of hearts if he whispers and says, not yet. Not yet. And then you get off the mountain, you go down to the people, and it's like, man, this is so disgusting. What do you say? What do you do? Repent. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Just like John the Baptist said. They called him crazy. 
They said, man, this guy has lost his mind. He is straight up loco. But Jesus Christ told the disciples, if you are willing, he is Elijah. See, eyes to see, ears to hear. If you are willing, what the people call crazy, this guy who wears camel's, camel skin, camel fur, you know, you're eating your fine dining experience and he's eating straight up locusts. Crazy guy. He's Elijah, if you are willing. And the disciples hear that and they're like, whoa. Imagine all the things that the disciples, once Jesus Christ died and they had the baptism of the Holy Spirit, shouldn't say it that way. Once Jesus Christ died and rose again and he ascends to his father, ascends to, uh, 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 to build a place for us. I wonder if they started to piece things together. All these little minute details, even the things that we don't know about. Remember Brother John, when he ended the book of John, he said, I could write so much more things that, you know, there's no, no book that can contain all the miracles that he did. So what we have is just like a sliver of what the works of the Lord. And John was like, I could write forever. I could write thousands and thousands and millions of pages. And the disciples as apostles, if they pieced it all together, like, oh, I get it now. I get it. Remember when he said that John the Baptist was Elijah? I totally get it now. You see here, and then all of a sudden, in verse 30, 23, and every man with whom was found blue, purple, and scarlet thread, fine linen, and goat's hair, red skins of rams, and badger skins brought them. Everyone who offered an offering of silver or bronze brought the Lord's offering. And everyone whom was found acacia wood for any work of the, ser of the service brought it. This is like a mass offering unto the Lord given to God. And remember, those whose hearts were, were, uh, uh, were stirred and everyone whose spirit was willing. The grumblers, they stayed home. But all these people who were willing, it's like, Moses, here, take it. Take it. You need acacia wood? Here, I got acacia wood. Take it. You need fine linen? Here, I got fine linen. Take it. And so look at what happens here. All the women in verse 25 who were gifted artisans. So you see, they had these skills and abilities. And here their skill and ability is given to the Lord, given to God. All the women who were gifted artisans spun yarn with their hands and brought what they had spun of blue, purple, and scarlet and fine linen. And all the women whose hearts stirred with wisdom spun yarn of goat's hair. So you see, it's not just... You know, these people, men, women, they have the, the, the wisdom, they're gifted artisans, people who had these fine linen, silver and bronze and gold. It's all given in service to the Lord. The rulers in verse 27 brought onyx stones and the stones to be set in, in the ephod and, the and in the breastplate and spices and oil for the light, for the anointing oil and for the sweet incense. 
the children of Israel. You know what's so cool about this? It translates as the sons and grandsons and the younger generation or the entirety of Israel. But in verse 27, the rulers also uh, 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 is like the, the head of the family, the, the rulers of either the tribe or like the subsect of tribes. And it's so cool because you see like uh, the old people and then also the young people, older generation, younger generation. It says in verse 29, the children of Israel brought a free will offering to the Lord. This free will offering, it's voluntary. It's voluntary, number one. Number two, it's in abundance. It's like saying, you know what? I know you have enough, but I'm going to give you more. I'm going to say, for example, if, 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 if somebody says, hey, uh, we have a church and we have a need for a hundred bucks and like everybody gives a dollar. And like, you know, 100 people give a dollar. It's like, okay, we met our quota. And then somebody comes and says, no, here's five bucks. It's a free will offering. I know you, you, you've you met the need. You've met the quota or whatever. I, 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 I say that. We're, I'm just giving an example. But that's a terrible way to put it. But it's like saying, you know, you've met your the need. The need has been met. But here this is now in abundance. It's overflowing with these things. That's like the free will offering. And so it says all the men and women whose hearts were willing. Remember, never, ever, ever forget. It's a matter of the heart. It's something that uh, Simon didn't have when the Holy Spirit skipped over him. The Holy Spirit skipped over him. And I've referenced this quite a bit already the last several weeks. And I'm going to say it again. In Acts 8, this is what Brother Peter says to Simon. He says to Simon in verse 21, he rebukes him. He says, you'd have neither part in Acts chapter 8, verse 21. You have neither part nor portion in this matter for your heart is not right in the sight of God. Repent, therefore, of this your wickedness and pray God. If perhaps the thought of your heart may be forgiven you. You see, he sees the heart. The Lord sees the heart. For I see that you are poisoned by bitterness and bound by iniquity. So that means... That Simon was inside the church and still bound by iniquity. Does that sound familiar? Poisoned by bitterness? You say, are, do you mean to tell me, are you telling me, Jay, that inside the church there are people bound by iniquity? Yes, that's precisely what I'm saying. People who come to church, they believe in Jesus Christ. But then at the same time, it's like, well, number one, where's the obedience? Number two, it's like to say, where's the gift of the Holy Spirit? Where's the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Where is the power of the Holy Spirit? Where is the wisdom that comes from the word? I would argue, and I can make a strong case for this, those are religious people, period. And religion can't save anybody. The blood of Jesus Christ saves. A love relationship with him. Remember the the parable of the ten virgins? Number one, it's so beautiful that there's ten virgins. You know, Pure, pure waiting for the bridegroom. They're all, all 10 are waiting for the bridegroom. 
This is in, in the parable. They're all virgins. And then, you know, they all have their lamps. They all have oil. And then the bridegroom comes and they go out to all 10, go out to meet him. Except something happens. They fall asleep. They all fall asleep. Kind of indicative of the days that we're in. And then all of a sudden they all wake up and they say, wow, it is, it's here. And right when they wake up, five of them say, I have no oil. I have no oil. I need to go buy some. Let me borrow some from you. And then the the five virgins say, no way. This is mine. This is for my lamp. And then the five foolish virgins say, okay, I'm going to go to town and buy some. And then they leave. They leave the five wise. And when they come back, they come back and they're gone. The bridegroom already came. It was too late. And they were left outside where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. So yes, it's beautiful that they're virgins, 10 virgins. You know, 10 lamps. And then oil. But five ran out of oil. Be very, very generous with the word of God. Be very, very, very generous with the the gifts of God. But be very, very incredibly selfish with the oil, the power of God, and the gift of the Holy Spirit in your life. That belongs to you. That belongs to you. Don't be like the five dumb virgins. Be like the five wise virgins. Plenty of oil for the last days. Because there's going to be a lot of Christians who do not have that in the last days. And this parable will ring true for them about the ten virgins. But there's five wise virgins. Wisdom in the last days. I have to tell you, not a lot of people have it. And I don't say that boastfully, like, you know, ah, check this out. I don't mean to say it like that. But it is found wanting in the bride of Christ today. And it's so beautiful what happens here in Acts 35, because, you know, in this aftermath of the golden calf after repentance. Now you have in verse 29, all the men and women whose hearts were willing, it says to bring material for all kinds of work which the Lord by the hand of Moses had commanded to be done. So they now acknowledge. It's like, wow, the Lord wants us to do this. And he's using his messenger. Remember when Moses was 40 days and 40 nights in the mountain the first time? They said, we don't know what happened to Moses. He's dead. So here, make us a calf. Let's worship the calf because the calf brought us out of Egypt. And then Moses, the second time when he was in the mountain for 40 days and 40 nights, the people, there's no golden calf. They were waiting on the Lord. They were waiting for Moses. Moses, what did the Lord tell you? We want to hear. And so Moses told them what the Lord had said. And here they are. They're bringing their stuff. Moses, here's our gold. Here's our fine linen. Here's our purple. Here's our scarlet. Here's the, 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 the goat's hair. Here's some stones. You know what I love? They didn't have to say like, oh, what are you going to use these stones for? What? How, can you give me the exact blueprints? What are the, the measurements that the Lord gave you for this? 
No, it's just like, here, Moses, take it. It's so cool. In verse 30, you know, keep in mind, you, I'm never, ever, ever going to get tired of saying this. Whenever the Lord puts something on your heart, number one, make sure it's the Lord. You know, test the spirits as we're commanded to do to make sure they're of the Lord. You know, he will confirm it. He'll confirm it in his word. He'll confirm it to you in prayer. But he's never going to contradict his word. Confirm it, you know, make sure that you're, you know, that the test the spirits as we're commanded to do. And at the same time, remember that Satan presents himself as an angel of light. You know, so many people are deceived. They say, oh, yeah, the Lord told me this. The Lord told me this. It's not the Lord that's speaking to them. But when the Lord speaks to you and puts something on your heart, like he did with Philip, like we studied on Sunday, he did with Philip. You know, Philip, I want you to go south. Or, you know, God told the angel and the angel told Philip, test the spirits. But then you don't have to know the how or the why. Like, how is this going to happen? Lord, how can you do this? All you have to know is the who. That's it. That's all you have to know is the who. Capital, you know, W for the Lord. You have to know him. Moses and his intimacy. Remember Philip and his intimacy with the Lord. What about you and your intimacy with the Lord? In verse 30, And Moses said to the children of Israel, See, the Lord has called by name Bezalel, the son of Uri, the son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah. And he has filled him with the Spirit of God in wisdom and understanding in knowledge and all manner of workmanship. Kind of interesting here. Remember in Acts chapter 6? When they says, hey, you know, the, the apostles, they said, you know, we can't leave the word of God. The Lord called us to, to, to minister and teach the word of God. We're not going to leave those things that the Lord has told us to do. But he says, choose from among you seven men, seven men of good witness, of wisdom and the Holy Spirit. And here you have an Old Testament example of that very thing here. In verse 31 about uh, uh, Bezalel. Filled with the spirit of God and wisdom and understanding and knowledge and all manner of workmanship. Same God wants to use such people today. God never changes. We see these attributes in the Old Testament. We see the attributes in the New Testament. And you know what? We see the attributes today. Who are the ones in the body of Christ, in the fold of Christ, in the camp of Christ? with a good witness, with wisdom, and the Holy Spirit. The Lord wants to use such people. The Lord wants to use you for His work, just like He did with Philip, just like the Lord showed us. And Philip, just like the Lord is showing us today with Bezalel, son of Uri, the son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah. What a beautiful lineage. Of the tribe of Judah, you have her grandfather, you have Uri, the dad, and then you have the son, Bezalel. What a beautiful lineage. Good things of God being passed on to the next generation. What a, like a beautiful, wonderful ministry is to pour into the next generation of righteousness. And so this all manner of workmanship in verse 32, it's to design artistic works 
to work in gold and silver and bronze, in cutting jewels for setting, in carving wood, and to work in all manner of artistic workmanship. And in verse 34, and in verse 34, and he, notice the capital H, he, God, has put in the in his heart the ability to teach. These are gifts of God that are given, and now they're put in the service of God. You see how beautiful this is? How many people are given the ability to sing? And they have these beautiful voices. Like It's like, wow, there's such a beautiful voice. And then all of a sudden, they start singing in the church, you know, honoring the Lord and say, I'm going to give my voice to you, Lord, and I'm going to serve in worship unto the Lord. And then they talk to the pastor. Hey, you know, the Lord has blessed me with, you know, this ability to sing. And the pastor says, okay, let me see what you got. And I'm just <laughs> you know, like, let's see, let it belt something out for me, you know. And it's, no, I'm just, you know, it doesn't work that way. But then all of a sudden, somebody says, you know, the Lord has blessed me with, you know, uh, um, uh, this ability to sing. That's when the pastor has to look at the life and say, like, okay, you know, you're on your fifth marriage. You know, I see your social media, you're drinking. You know, I see you with your vodka on a Friday night. So it's like, okay, you know, you know, praise the Lord that he gave you this voice. But no, I want you to walk with me. Walk with me for a period of time. Come to church. I'm going to keep an eye on your attendance. I'm going to keep an eye on your behavior. I'm going to keep an eye on your social media. Walk with me for a little bit. It would bless my socks off for you to worship, you know, to, to lead in worship. But you know what? It's a very important position. It's unto the Lord. And I have to, you know, do these things. I have to see if, you know, if you're, you make sure you have a good witness. You have wisdom. That you're full of the Holy Spirit. Right now you're full of yourself. Come walk with me. Come to church. I want to see you more and more. You see? And it's like, wow, you see how beautiful it is? And it's not just, you know, pastor approval. It's for the pastor to say, hey, you know what, I, I, I'm going to pray too. I'm going to pray. That's how things happen. That's how ministries happen. It's not just, wow, this guy sings good. This girl sings good. No, what does the heart look like? One time, you know, Liz and I, we heard this uh, worship leader. And we were thinking like, man, you know, this is a pretty big church. This worship is going to be pretty like, like, a, like a concert. And we hear it, and it's like uh, the, the tune wasn't that great, you know? Carnally speaking, I mean, it wasn't that great. But then, like, you know, the, like before the worship, they start to pray. And it's like, oh, my goodness, this heart is like. It's like you close your eyes, and you're right there in the throne room of heaven. And then you say, amen, start to play his guitar. And then he would sing as like, whoa. It's like, that's, that's how this happens. That's how ministries happen. God is glorified. The church is edified. The church is equipped. And the Lord is providing. You see here in verse 34, he has put in his heart the ability to teach in him. And he's not alone. 
Aholiab, the son of Ahisamach, of the tribe of Dan. So you remember when Moses in chapter 25, he starts to receive these blueprints. And Moses was all alone on the top of the mountain in the cloud receiving the blueprints. But here in actually doing the blueprints, Moses isn't alone. You see, he's not alone here. God has provided. God has provided. In verse 35, in closing, he has filled them with skill to do all manner of work of the engraver and the designer and the tapestry maker in blue, purple and scarlet thread and fine linen and of the weaver, those who do every work and those who design artistic work. So they do the work and then they also design the work. Moses isn't alone. There's men here who have the spirit of God, wisdom, understanding and, and, and knowledge in all manner of workmanship. And at the same time, the Lord has put in their hearts the ability to teach. So you have the people of God are able to learn now because they have teachers able to learn. And it's all for the glory of God. It's for the service unto the service of God. But then at the same time, the tabernacle of meeting and the service therein, it's exactly the same today. Yeah, people, it's like, man, you know, this is my, this is my food, this is my money for my food. This is my money for, you know, my pizza night. This is my money so I can, you know, go to the movie theater and watch this perverted movie. This is my money. I was going to buy some killer booze with this money. I don't want to give it to the Lord. It's like, okay, you're a grumbler. Keep it. Stay home. Keep it. I want your money. In a very real sense. This is going to sound kind of weird, but I want your heart. I want your heart so that I can bow before my Lord and say, here, here is the heart of your people, Lord. It's for you. You see how beautiful this is? Holiness unto the Lord. And the people now have teachers. I got to read something in closing. I said in closing before, but... This is the real in closing. Unless the Spirit says otherwise. But in Romans 10. One of my favorite passages. In Romans 10. Verse 13. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. So beautiful. What a beautiful verse. Right? Indeed it is. But look at verse 14. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? Of how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our report? So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Whenever you have your intimacy with the Lord. Never forget the people in base camp. No matter the condition you find when you come out off the mountain. 
You're going to find the condition of the heart of men, the heart of women, young and old. You're going to find disgusting things. You're going to find gross things. You're going to find evil. You're going to find wickedness. But you know what? Be this messenger of the gospel of peace. Have your intimacy with the Lord. But don't forget that the people at base camp, those are people that God died for. The same way he died for you. The same way he died for me. We're going to end our study here and we'll pick up next week. God bless you. Love you guys. Bye.